Hello. This edition of Oblong Desk contains some small technical glitches which were beyond our control and we only discovered afterwards. Still, it was a choice between that and re-recording the whole thing, and we liked it, and we hope you do too. Welcome along to Oblong Desk. It's John and Noakes with you, and uh, Noakes is over there. Hello, Noakes. Hi, John. How are you? I'm very, very well. And uh, do you know, I've, I've had an exciting time recently uh, as I've started some Oblong Desk merchandise. Have you now? Woohoo! Yes. Well, see, this is how it worked. I, I was struggling around for some presents for my offspring, and I thought, what would they like? And as they're both listeners to the show, I thought, Oblong Desk's fantastic logo on something would be good and so i did some glasses some drinking glasses and uh, they look rather good so i huh. wondered whether the listener might be also interested in that or indeed in anything else so uh, a quick yeah. plug for the start of the uh, episode if you are thinking i need some oblong desk merch in my life would you like a drinking glass? Would you like something else? Maybe a, a beer mat or something like that? Because uh, sweatshirts. Caps. Yes, I think we know where that's going. Some <laughs> of us do anyway. Uh, yeah, so so if, you, if you've got an idea of what you might like to see, then uh, do drop us a line at the Oblong Desk on Facebook and Twitter, and we will investigate and see if we can get some, some Oblong Desk merch for you yeah. to, uh, to, to wear or use around your home. There may be something in that, maybe not. It doesn't have to have our faces on it, in case you're worried about that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely not, no. no. I mean, I think in many ways that would put people off. Yes, yes. Uh, right, to, to now 30. We've, we've reached, we've done the 20s, uh, we've done some hits, we're back onto Ashley Abrams' Now albums and Now 30, which is the start of 1995, isn't it? Yeah, a good year for me. Uh, I think probably for you as well. I think we both had a pretty decent time that year didn't we yes professional radio beckoned for both yeah. of us um signal radio then hallam fm for me and signal taking over from your good self on the uh, the highly coveted overnight shift of course um where i yes, got we'll... to play uh, some of the songs you'll hear us reviewing on these 95 discs a lot though not so much on this one because this covers the start of the year when i was still um, trying to get a job in commercial radio and still on URN. Lovely, lovely. So, uh, so this album then, which which I found quite pleasing overall. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, I think it is a good one. I think uh, it, it helps that it probably brings back some good memories for both of us. Uh, it was released on the 10th of April 1995, which is quite late for a spring now. Um, it has 40 top chart hits, according to the blurb on the back, split 1921, because there's a few long songs on the first hit. Uh, the cover is a kind of beach sunset affair. Um, I'd, I'd say maybe more of a summer kind of cover than spring, but, you know, it's quite nice. Four number ones on here, um, pretty much covering all the available options other than Celine Dion, um, who's a Sony artist and was very unlikely to be on here, and frankly... Um, do we care? I don't think we do. No, I'm not, I'm not really that bothered, I have to say. No. 
Uh, first appearance for Boyzone, more on them in a bit. Last appearance, uh, you'll be equally sad about this for Simple Minds. Maybe, maybe there'll be a surprise for you in that. In that oh, mar- okay. And um, and in chart terms, uh, we mentioned that Now 29, its predecessor, was the biggest selling one in the series ever. This one did okay, but didn't go to quite those levels, but did still spend four weeks at number one, which is about standard for a, an hour. Good, good, good. Uh, let us begin then. We've got many tracks to get through, and we will start with one of the number ones. It's track one on disc one. It's Freak Power. Turn on, tune in, cop out. Track one on disc one of Now 30, traditionally given to a real established artist, but not really this time, although it was Norman Cook behind this, and he had a bit of a pedigree even by this point. Freak Power, turn on, tune in, cop out. Uh, As I said, the latest Norman Cook alias, number 29 originally in October 1993. Uh, This re-release got to number three. And you know why it was uh, brought out again, do you? You can probably guess if you don't. I do. It's a bit denim-y, isn't it? It is very denim-y, yes. Yes, uh, Levi's were doing that. It's a strong start to the album. I really, really like it still. Um, I'm not sure it would have been quite as big a hit without the help of uh, Levi's and Norman Cook. Uh, And it's nice to have something a bit different at the start of a Now album, isn't it? That kind of jazz, acid jazz feel is... uh, it's an interesting way to begin. It's unusual. Um, it's not a track I enjoy perhaps now as much as I did then, um, but it's still quite nice. And um, Ashley from Freak Power, uh, the, uh, the bold chap who was the uh, lead singer, he did uh, a jingle for URN, which is nice. And I know people like the impressions. So it, it was fairly straightforward, this jingle. It basically went, hi, this is Ashley from Freak Power. You're listening to URN. Um, I think he did sound American, even though he doesn't sound American on the song. Particularly. Um, so that was exciting. So we got a jingle out of it as well. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Track two is uh, another massive hit. I remember this being played to death on the radio, sometimes by me and sometimes not. It's Janet Jackson, um, Whoops Now, which is lyrically quite vapid. Uh, and this is possibly because Janet's tale of being stuck in an office with an overbearing boss who won't let her go out with her friends. Uh, and I don't know Janet's personal circumstances, but I'm willing to bet that she hasn't spent enough of her life in an office to really get down to the nub of it in a, in a song. No, you wouldn't have thought so, would you? Um, unless what have you done for me lately was about some uh, particular meeting that she didn't want to be part of. But I think that's unlikely. Um, yeah, I quite like Whoops now. It's um, It's fairly... Um, basic pop stuff, isn't it, really? We're not talking Jam and Lewis production uh, of her early career here, exactly. Um, It was the seventh hit single from her Janet album. The booklet says it's the sixth, so uh, you can place your bets on on which one they forgot about. Um, There there were a few forgettable singles off that. Um, It's the third of those seven singles to go top ten. 
Um, all seven of them made the top 20. So it was a huge album and people were obviously buying all the singles, even the slightly rubbish ones that uh, Ashley and his helpers forgot. Um, so, yeah, I think it uh, has its place on here definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it puts me in mind a little bit of kind of if Janet's been listening to Betty Boo and come on, let me take you there. It's very similar. It's, it's, yeah, it's, start, it's, 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 it's got that kind of thing about it, hasn't it? But but, but it doesn't rhyme champers with pampers. So uh, on, no. on that note, it, it, it loses the point. Yes. Track three, and um, some of you will have noticed that we've been a little bit late in our Warnocks. We've been holding them back, but not this disc, no. We're straight in there, bang, with track three. Love me for a reason from Boyzone. Now, I need to caveat this and all future Boyzone reviews with a reminder that I really quite like some boy bands. I don't have a thing against boy bands at all. Take that, for example, E17, Let Loose, even some new kids and an A1. So, so I don't hate boy bands. Boyzone, though, are without question the worst ensemble of human effluent ever to assemble in a recording studio. Not one of them could sing. Not one of them could dance. Not one of them could write music. Not one of them could hold an engaging conversation when they were interviewed on Going Live or whatever. Uh, and, and this track in particular, this is why it's getting the warning for me. Love me for a reason. It's simpering, sickly, and it's just an exercise in lining Louis Walsh's tiny pockets with a crock of gold. Um, what's most annoying is that the great British public fell for it. Hook, line and sinker. Where is your quality threshold, people? Uh, I've got to add to that, have I? Um, well... <laughs> I'm, I'm married to someone who may have bought boys own cds in the past so i've got to be a bit careful what i say here um i don't hate it as much as you do and uh, uh, or them and i think there are worst examples of the genre well for a start we've already heard a few eyc spring to mind upside down were around at this time thinking up the chart as well um but uh, no it, it is it's not a great start is it um it's it's by no means the the nicest thing they ever did i think it's a, it's a very very insipid song to start with love me for a reason the osmonds got to number one with it but that doesn't tell you much because people were buying everything they put out in 1974 um boys version got to number two and yeah um considering that this wasn't actually their first single they did release stuff in ireland before this as a kind of testing ground um in which, I mean, have you ever heard their version of Working My Way Back to You, which they released in Ireland? That is worse. Really? Wow. It is. I, know, I mean, I mean I'm, sure, I'm sure you and Listener are aware of that appearance on, I think it was the Gay Burn show. Yeah, the um, late show, yeah. Yeah, where they were flouncing around, and it, it was just, he was confused. And he's a broadcaster who must have seen some stuff in his time. But yes, it was like, yes, he'd clearly been given this, you know, this is the next big thing. And they weren't. And and I will give them as a slight, so the listener doesn't just hate me by the time that their career is over and we finish reviewing it. Um, there were some moments where they improved. They definitely improved during their career. But we're starting from such a low base. And it was just literally Louis Walsh going, I'll make an Irish take that. And they were so not. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. They, they, they were starting from a point where they couldn't really be considered a, a, a credible act in any way. Um, I'm, I've let you have this one as the Warnock because it was really my lead on the last album. There are things I hate more than Love Me For A Reason on this album, to be honest, but we'll come to those in due course. 
Lovely. Uh, let, let's cleanse our souls a little um, with track four, which is Cher, Chrissy Hind, and Nana Cherry with Eric Clapton uh, and Love Can Build a Bridge. They need to work on their supergroup title, I think. Um, I'm, do you have any reason why it was and Nana Cherry, but with Eric Clapton? Was it like no, girls I and boys? I don't know. I mean, they, you know, they, they could have gone, they could have called themselves Ch 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 Clap because there's three eight and three of them. And <laughs> I mean, would that not have... No, she's probably not serious enough. I mean, this was a charity record, so I suppose they had to be serious. Although, uh, was it the Comic Relief one? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they, they, they could have just kept the comedy in the band title and called it ch 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 clap There you go. That's my contribution to the debate. I mean, in, in terms of the song, it's a cover of a country song, isn't it? And country music is not my favourite genre, really. Um, it, it's all right, this. It's... It's kind of nothing exciting. It's the first number one on this album. So four tracks in is quite late, and it's um, not the most interesting of the number ones either. Hmm. I, I think it's an above-average effort, but below average considering the assembled talent available. You'd expect yeah, a little a more from them. Uh, Stay Another Day, uh, a chart topper from Christmas time, uh, is track five, East 17, uh, and... It, this will now be with us for the rest of time. Uh, thanks largely to Ken and Ken wearing those fur-lined parkas for the <laughs> video that they reshot. It's actually it's not one of my favourite E17 songs, probably because it's been played to death. Yeah, I mean, I, I was glad that it uh, got to number one. I didn't hate the Mariah Carey Christmas song as much as I hate it now. Um, I thought it was a kind of comedy novelty almost then, which it very much isn't now you hear it all the bloody time. Um, so this one, this one I'd rather hear now, certainly. Um, and yet it doesn't go very high in the charts when all the Christmas songs re-enter in December. It tends to be near the bottom of the pile, which is interesting. So it seems like people still want to hear it, but they don't necessarily want to stream it. They're OK hearing it on the radio. They don't want to buy it. They don't want to stream it or whatever. Um, it's not really a Christmas song, as you know. Um, it just happened to be a Christmas number one and had a Christmassy video. Um, I wonder if Ashley was tempted to put the dance mix version of it on here um, because they played that on the chart um, when it started going down in January so that it didn't sound too Christmassy. It's called the less sad mix, which, yeah. uh, which, which you know, it is. Uh, it is quite clever because it is the less sad mix. It's more up-tempo. And also, day another day is S-A-D. So it's got double meaning. That's far too clever for most E17 fans. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, track six is Mike and the Mechanics over my shoulder. Um, I had to play this so much on Hallam FM um, that I ran <laughs> out of things to say about it 25 years ago. It's an old man song. And now I'm an old man. I still think it's for people older than me. It's that kind of. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's kind of average, isn't it, really? It's it's surprisingly high in the track order, I have to say. Uh, number 12, hit. So, fairly substantial hit, not massive. It's their second biggest single, though. Um, they, they always got played on the radio. They didn't really have many massive hits, apart from The Living Years. Um, I did also play this quite a lot on Signal, but the one we played more, um, which is baffling because it wasn't a top 40 hit was another cup of coffee so that's the one i would gladly never hear again over my shoulder i'm not so bothered about it's all right i 
Do you know what? I'm not massively surprised that you had to play another cup of coffee, <laughs> given <laughs> given Signal's management team at the time. Well, quite. We might come on to them uh, in other more pertinent times. But um, yes, Signal was a very, very unique station and good on it for being so. It played yeah. some. It played some very strange things at times, but served the community of Stoke-on-Trent wisely. Um, track seven on now thirty is Jimmy Nail and the other hit he had, Crocodile Shoes. It's like the third hit, the third hit of three, wasn't it? Really, <laughs> um, joining the elite pantheon of Dennis Waterman, Nick Berry, David Essex, and Will Smith, who've both acted in it and sung the theme tune. And, and this is as good as the TV series, i.e. not very. <laughs> I don't remember the TV series at all. I think I had better things to do uh, than watch that at the time. Uh, I, I'm not keen on this song. Uh, there were a few single releases off that uh, Crocodile Shoes album. I think there were four in all. The last one was the best, but because they left it till last, it wasn't a hit at all. Calling Out Your Name is a brilliant pop song. Check it out. Um, it's from that album. Like I say, it was released as a single, but just completely flopped. Um, I thought it was great. So that that's better. But obviously Crocodile Shoes was the biggest hit from the album, so fair enough. I don't particularly like it. We're back to the country music again, really. Yes, and it was a bizarre series. I shall refresh any listener's memory. Jimmy Nail was a retired docker called, I think, Jed, like, <laughs> like all Northeasters are. And um, he was out of a job and decided to form a country music band, as you do, uh, with yeah. hilarious consequences. Well, do you know what? I mean, I've been out of work for a while and I've considered all sorts of career options. I've never once thought... Why don't I start a country and western band? And uh, and now you've put the idea in my head. I'm still not going to. I think that's probably wise. Right? Shall we play another song? I think we've we've plumbed the depths in various ways. So um, something new, something different from a band we haven't heard from yet on now, and that is Scarlet. Here's Independent Love Song. Track 8 on disc 1 of Now 30, which we're reviewing on this edition of Oblong Desk, independent love song from Scarlet. And they were from Hull, weren't they? From Hull. Yes. Um, Cheryl Parker and Joe Yule. And I'm sure there was another one. That's what it says in the booklet, just two of them. I thought there was another one lurking in the background. I bought the album, and I oh. only remember there being two of them on that. Oh, so. All right. Maybe, another, maybe there was. Yeah, yeah. It's another number 12 hit, the second one of those we've had already. Uh, they weren't one-hit wonders. There was a follow-up. I remember playing that on the radio too. I want to be free to be with him, which was nice, but was probably too similar to the first one to be a hit. Again, it, it's not a, a massive hit, but the kind of if you bought the vinyl or the cassette, this would be side one. Um, and already we're on to our second number 12 hit. And uh, it's a bit of a... A bit of a corker, though, this from Ashley to stick this in because it is an absolutely marvellous song, which stands up 
really well even now. Yeah, and, and I think it would be slightly disingenuous of me to ignore the Cranberry-esque vocal stylings that, that we've both criticised on the previous test, but this is how to do that. There, there was that bit of in the chorus where she would go, uh, uh, which, you know, oh, we've, yes. we've criticised the Cranberries for doing. I don't know why I like it for this one. Um, it is, it's stirring and evocative, and I still very much like it now. As I say, I bought the whole Scarlet album, um, which I've forgotten what it was called now. I, uh, I might be able to tell you. Carry on. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an evocative piece of music, and it is interesting that you say it's on here so high up. I think that possibly is because it's so distinctive. Yeah, you've got a point there. Uh, the booklet says, taken from the Warner Music album, Naked. Yes, that was it. Um, Good. Yeah, it's, it is it is distinctive. It's one of those that is absolutely guaranteed if you pick this album up now in a charity shop or secondhand or whatever. Um, that uh, you would probably think, oh, yeah, that, and I bet you'd like it as well, because I don't know many people who hated this at the time. Uh, there were people who were indifferent to it, but I don't remember anyone saying, oh, that's horrible, don't like it. So, no. um, so I think it's a top choice, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, are you ready for a surprise? <laughs> Track nine, Simple Minds, She's a River. This is actually a really good song. It's a nice <laughs> sequence. Yeah, I know. There's a nice sequence bass. There's that country blues vibe. It's sung well. It's really, really good. And do you know why it's really good? It's because Simple Minds knew they were onto a winner because they listened to everything you two had been doing and they just copied it really well. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, they always had similarities with you two, didn't they? They they were always kind of slightly out of step with each other's sound, but they were always, you know, one one was either a couple of years behind or ahead of the other. I think. Um, yeah, I I really liked this at the time. It was uh, it was their biggest hit for ages as well since um, Belfast Child, I think. Um, but I'm not so keen now, actually. I, I prefer the follow-up, which was called Hypnotised. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a good track. And as a as a virgin artist, you know, they, they were pretty much odds on they were going to be on this one. Um, and uh, like we said earlier, it's actually their last appearance as well, even though they've had uh, a few more hits since. Yeah, well, they're going out with a bang. Excellent. Right, track 10. This is one that you'll certainly remember. Uh, Wake Up Boo from the Boo Radleys. And do you know why you'll know this, if you're of a certain age? It's because at 8 o'clock every morning, it was played on every radio station in the entire country. Yes, and especially by a ginger idiot as well on the biggest radio station in the country who thought it was the best song ever made um it was also the big song of urn's fm license uh, period in march 95 so i was duty bound to play it on every show pretty much because everyone was playing it on every show you know what i hated it then i still do hate it um and uh, i wasn't surprised when they didn't have any more big hits this was their only top 10 hit and uh, you know, they're, they're one of those bands as well that are like, oh, do we have to play this? And oh, it's like a millstone around our neck. It's like it's your only big hit. Stop bloody whinging about it. Can't be doing with all that nonsense. Well, it, it's iconic and it's irrepressibly happy and uplifting. And I mean, you'd have to be seriously, seriously grumpy not to feel a, a tiny bit happy by the end of it, unless <laughs> well. you've been subjected to it over and over and over again. I now can hear it uh, you know if it comes on the radio 
which it still occasionally does. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of get that throwback thing of, God, this again, even if I haven't heard it for a million years, it still has that feeling that we played it so much at the time that, that yes, it's got that about it. There's, there's a there's a word. It's like that kind of, you know when it's so ingrained in your head that even if you haven't heard it for ages, you feel like you have heard it over um, and over again. I'm there's sure a the word. Germans will have a word for it. They oh, well, they, they will, they will, I, and I must mm. find that out. Um, but mm. this was so atypical to the rest of their stuff, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I remember playing uh, probably a year or two earlier. I think it would have been on an earlier URNFM a song of theirs called Lazarus. And if you've ever heard that. I mean, that's six and a half minutes of uh, psychedelic rock, basically. It's got more in common with, um, you know, Emerson, Lake and Palmer probably than it has with daytime national radio, Um, which, you know, is why I think they're a bit churlish to kind of just disregard this. I mean, I I might not like it, but if if it's your big hit, then you've got to at least embrace it. Um, No one's going to go to their concert and go, oh, they didn't play It's Lulu today. I'm really disappointed. But, you know, if they didn't play this, then you come out going, you know, oh, they didn't play that. That's a bit odd. So, um, yeah, yeah. Not, not a fan, I'm afraid, despite its um, uh, connections with that period in my life, which are mainly happy. Have you got a song that was so overplayed that even if you liked it at the time, you're now fed up with it? Or maybe there's one that no matter how often you hear it, you never tire of it. Either way, get in touch with us at the Oblong Desk on Facebook or Twitter and let us know your thoughts there. Coming up, Noakes puts us in our place. I can't think why two presenters on a student radio station couldn't hype a song into the chart. It's a mystery, isn't it? I discuss Sting's sexual habits. It's upsetting when somebody with the musical heritage of Mr. Sumner feels the need to whore himself out of the brothel of reggae light, isn't it? And we get very excited about Disc 2. Next, though, a band making a comeback. It's the Human League. And tell me when. Well, immediately. Oblong Desk and John and I are reviewing now 30. We've got to track 11 on disc one. You just heard some of that. It was Tell Me When by The Human League, which was another massive hit um, in springtime at URN. This was uh, released in January, so a lot earlier in the year. It was a hit list number one. I know that because I was doing the chart the day uh, it became hit list number one. Because uh, Piers couldn't be bothered. Hi, Piers, if you listen. Uh, Piers couldn't be bothered. Shocker. Um, <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, it's an interesting and credible comeback, is this, isn't it? Um, it's nowhere near on the Duran Duran scale of interesting and credible comebacks. But, you know, it proves they were still musically relevant. It has throwbacks to their 80s sound, but it definitely feels contemporary and of the time so yeah i'll give it a sort of a tick whilst not being the biggest human league fan in the world 
Okay, fair enough. I mean, it was it was a big deal, and uh, I remember uh, playing it a lot. As I said, um, I remember them turning up and doing all the uh, appearances on telly, and they always all stood uh, side by side in a line for some reason. That 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 was their kind of gimmick for the promotion of this, and it, it says a lot that I can remember that uh, even now. Um, and it was also their biggest hit since 1983, um, which you believe got to number six. This, and it was a real mini career revival didn't last long sadly because i i am a huge fan of the human league um but uh, it was good while it lasted and this is a top track still. good 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 track 12 then which is m people oh good uh, a site yeah. for sore eyes which is more like a sound for sore ears that will not help that issue in any way whatsoever it's blandamundo yeah, I haven't got much to say about it, really. By this point, they were just a production line churning out fairly um, popular dance pop tunes. Uh, well, I say fairly popular with the with that kind of housewives who bought this stuff. Um, but no, not not for me. Not not one of their best by any means. Let's jog along then to something that's rather weird. Uh, it's Sting featuring Pato Banton. And this cowboy song, it's upsetting when somebody with the musical heritage of Mr. Sumner feels the need to whore himself out at the brothel of reggae light, isn't it? But that's where we are. <laughs> yes. Common sting, as Pato Banton says yes. in the introduction. Yeah, I mean, it started its life as a new track on his greatest hits that had come out the year before. So I don't know whose bright idea it was. To, uh, to remix it and stick Pato Banton on, but, you know, it's that slippery slope that's led to these duet albums with Shaggy that seem to come out every other year now. Yes, it's uncomfortable and completely unnecessary. Uh, although, hearing it against the original, there's something slightly wonderful about this. I don't know it what is it is. It is amusing. I mean, it's, yes. you know, I'm, I'm quite happy for it to be on this album because it did make me smile listening to it. Again. Yeah, it just, it just, I think because it doesn't work in spades. Country and reggae was never, ever meant to be crossed together. We talked about Duran Duran, and they kind of turn up on track 14, which is Shut Up and Dances, Save It Till the Morning After. Does a lot of the heavy lifting, doesn't it, the uh, Duran Duran sample? Um, it's less a sample and more them doing bits over the original song. Yeah, I mean, I, as a Duran Duran fan, you'd probably expect to hate this because it samples uh, Save a Prayer. Um, but actually, I kind of like it. It's got some kind of charm to it, I think. Uh, mourning, by the way, spelt uh, the grieving way, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Um Shut Up and Dance's biggest hit was their number two single, Raving, I'm Raving. Do you remember that in 1992? I do, and it was awful. Yeah, because they, they used Mark Combs walking in Memphis, and they hadn't cleared it. Um, and so it was deleted after two weeks on the chart. Um, and then it's only ever turned up since in a, an even worse um, version, which doesn't have the sample on. This time, they must have cleared the sample, right? Because this one didn't get removed from the chart, so they obviously went to around around and said can we use this and they said yes that's fine um ashley put this on before it was out so he was obviously expecting the sample to make it a big hit it got to number 25 which i think is a shame because of the songs from around this time that used old 80s tracks um either sampled or re-recorded bits i think this does the job quite well um the follow-up to this was a bit of a car crash i did own it at one point and then at some time in my various house moves of which i've had many 
Um, I left it behind because I didn't want it anymore. The follow-up was called I Love You, got to number 68. And if you've ever heard it, which is unlikely, uh, you'll know that it samples Guaglione. Um, and it's basically a rap over the top of Guaglione. But I think everyone was so bored with that by the time that this came out that that's why it was a big flop. You don't want to be the last person to that party, do you? Uh, which they were. Uh, track 15 is R. Kelly's Bump and Grind. He doesn't see nothing wrong with a bit of Bump and Grind. History is reviewing that in a slightly different light. Uh, you'll have to ask them, R. No means no. Yeah, and I have nothing to add. Let's move on to track 16, which is a bit dull, really. Oh, baby, I dot, 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 um, by Eternal. And considering they could have picked Crazy, which is an upbeat dance track, admittedly only got to number 14, I think, or somewhere around there, um, so not as big a hit, they went for this one, which is the ballad, and is very, very boring. God, it's so slow, it almost stops, and it's desperately unremarkable, as you say. Instead, let's... I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with slow songs, as we are about to prove with track 17. This is Protection, Massive Attack. are now 30 that's massive attack featuring tracy thorne and protection which was the second single i seem to recall off of their second album because we talked about sly didn't we when we reviewed now 29 um sly wasn't a very big hit this did a bit better but still only got to number 14 for goodness sake what what were people doing? Why were they not buying this? It's magnificent. It is. I love it. I love it. 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 This is how to do a slow song. It's emotional. It it almost breaks your heart to listen to it. It's that absolutely intense. And yeah, Tracy Thorne, what a voice. I have nothing bad to say about it. Let's move on to track eighteen. <laughs> I was just I was just going to say one more thing before we do that. Um, you don't seem to hear protection anymore, do you? Either on the radio or being used as background music or whatever. You hear teardrop everywhere. Sometimes it's on like backing music for TV or trailers or whatever or adverts. Um, you even hear it on the radio, but you don't really hear protection very much, which is a shame. Yes, you, the people who are not playing this are quite wrong. Now let's move on to track 18. Uh, it's more from Bristol. This is Portishead and Glory Box. from Portishead which is track 18 on disc 1 of now 30 which we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk and uh, a bit like Massive Attack they're from Bristol obviously and uh, the song did okay but should have done better because this one got one place higher than Massive Attack got number 13 I remember the first time I heard this and I was just absolutely in awe just listening to the, you know one of those occasions where you just forget everything and totally zone into a song and think, what on earth is going on here? I don't know what this is, 
but I think it's fantastic and I still love it to this day. Um, I had a proper full-on argument with someone who was an Oasis and John Lennon worshipper, you know which way this way is going, don't you? I was basically pointing out that Liam Gallagher had a terrible voice and, I, and, and he said, yeah, but so is Beth Gibbons and you like her. And I said, yes, but Beth Gibbons isn't singing along to some lumpen prototype Slade drivel going on in the background, is she? She's singing over something interesting and her voice is unique, which makes it much more interesting than Oasis's clod-hopping rock. Exactly, I concur. It's cat-like, that's what it is. She prowls around this soul. She's creeping around corners to surprise you with it, if that makes any sense whatsoever. If it's possible to love something more than protection on this album, then then it's this. It's an absolutely amazing piece of music and stalkerish almost. I love it to bits. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it is another in the long, brilliant line of stalkery songs that uh, have uh, taken place throughout pop history, some of which we've uh, talked about before, I think. Yeah, yes. it still sounds good, I think. And um, I did buy the album and uh, I still like that album, actually. The second album... I bought and I wasn't keen on, but the first one is, yeah, pretty good stuff, mm. really. Um, oh, I was just talking about Oasis, wasn't I? Yeah. Look what's yeah. at track 19. It's whatever. Um, I, I'm going to surprise you here, actually. I think this is the first decent thing they did, having just slagged them off uh, in relation to um, Portishead. I, I thought this was perfectly fine, probably because it was um, not so kind of... I don't know what the word is, not so laddish, I suppose. It was a bit more of a tune rather than some plodding rock thing. It was their Christmas number one attempt, you may recall, which didn't quite work. It got to number three, but still, at the time, that was their biggest hit, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say this one's OK. It goes on a bit too long, probably, but I think that was deliberate, wasn't it? They thought, oh, we want to have a really long song get number one like the beat did. Probably. Um yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's very good. It's not on the same par as the previous two songs. It's those strings that they put in there that, that yeah. sort of smooth it out a little. Um, it's it's a quality production. It's a nice bit of songwriting as well. And kind of like Guy Chambers did with Robbie Williams, it treads that fine line between sounds familiar without being able to put your finger on exactly where you've heard it before. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think Liam sings it much better than he did any of the previous singles, to be honest. Um, I think he actually does it justice for once and uh, does a pretty good job on this. Yeah, and because it's so long, that means there's only time for 19 tracks on disc mm. one. So we'll uh, we'll pop disc one out, pop disc two in. It's the dance disc and... I'm going to preface all of this that we listen to now by going, I think this is the finest disc two that we have reviewed so far by a stretch. Uh, I'd have to have a think about that. There was one I really liked early on, and I can't remember which one it was now. Might have been, uh, was it 25? Possibly. Don't know. Can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's got some decent stuff on it. However, unfortunately, it starts with, okay, another number one hit. Uh, the third so far. Um, Don't Stop, Wiggle Wiggle by the Out Here Brothers. Now, when I said earlier that there's things I hate much more than Love Me For A Reason, this would be my prime example. Uh, stupidly, a couple of albums back, I think it was three albums ago, actually, when I was talking about how K7 had invented awful, shouty, 
dance music, stroke rap music. I've completely forgot about the Out Here Brothers in terms of things they invented. And uh, I thought they were pretty terrible most of the way through. One of them I didn't mind, which we may well be covering later on. Uh, this was number nine when the album was compiled. So it was a bit of an Ashley Abram punt, although I think it was probably uh, not a difficult thing to guess that it was going to be number one. Uh, they're manic and oddball, according to the notes. I can think of some other one-word descriptions, but uh, I won't. Uh, I won't fill the air with swear words. You can see why it was a hit, though. It, it, it borrows structurally from things like No Limit, um, so it was always going to be a massive hit. There's enough quirkiness in the vocal samples, however annoying they may be when you hear them non-stop and I think that is one of the things about this it got a lot of radio play which would make it boring because it, it is a very simple dance anthem thing it's the kind of thing if it came on in a club fine dance to it for two minutes then go off and have a beer or whatever whatever you were doing at raves you can tell I don't go to raves have a beer <laughs> nice um I don't mind it it's it's mindless Sometimes you need a bit of mindless dance. Sorry, I don't hate it. Okay, all right. We'll 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 leave that there. I've got nothing more to say. I mean, they they did a lot worse later on. I'll I'll give them that. Um, instead, should we play some of track two because that is miles better and it sounds like this. Now you're trying to say, don't treat you this way, but don't you know I don't need I don't need. we're reviewing on oblong desk with alex party don't give me your life strong anthemic dance and as we've talked about before this was the hit that alex party's one song that they kept rehashing over and over again deserved to have this is it in its purest form it is and it's another urn spring favorite um including when we were on fm i think it was probably the second most played song behind the boo radleys i'd say Two weeks at number two in the chart, while Celine Dion was at number one. No justice, frankly. But, uh, you know, I'd gladly hear this again, whereas I'd gladly never hear Celine Dion again, so I know who the moral winner is. I'll tell you what else about this as well, because we talk about dance styles and people copying off other people. This, although they'd been playing around with the sound, this did influence an awful lot of other stuff later on in 1995. I'm thinking particularly things like Motivate oh, and yeah, Gina yeah. G. You know, it's got that sound. There's something in the instrumentation that was copied an awful lot by an awful lot of other people. Yeah, well, Gina G was mainly produced by Motivate, so that's kind of why they're similar. But, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Um, it perhaps hasn't got quite the driving rhythm of a Motivate track, but it's it's like a prototype version, isn't it, really? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and what I like about this is... Some dance songs get too repetitive, uh, and there's a few on here actually that are, that outstay their welcome. This is done in just over three minutes, and that's your lot. And I think that's absolutely spot on timing for this track. It's, uh, it's exactly the right length for a song. 
Yeah, the some more good dance actually. Track three, uh, you sure do strike, uh, which is insistent and classy. Does sound a little bit more ninety three, ninety four ish in its production values, but there's nothing wrong with it, and and it continues the strong start to disc two. Yeah, I don't like it as much as I did then. I don't think um, it had got to number thirty one in December nineteen ninety four, so it was a ninety four production, and then number four on re release mere months later. Yeah, I don't know why I've gone off it. I just kind of have, really. Um, I don't dislike it, but it's not not stood the test of time as much as Alex Party has, put it that way. Let's play some more quality dance. As I say, this disc is full of it. Track four, it's Kenny Dope presents the Bucketheads and the Bomb. Dope presents the Bucket Heads, and I've got to do this in the style of a famous chart presenter. That's the bomb! Um, and these sounds fall into my mind in bracket. Track four on disc two of Now 30. I love this. Um, it's based on Chicago's Street Player, which was a flop single here, um, but is a great disco and funk tune in its own right, actually. And uh, it, although it sounds like they're singing these sounds fall into my mind, the real words are street sounds swirl into my mind but until you actually know that you wouldn't know any different it was years until i knew exactly what it came from and heard the chicago track so why oh why do they have the brackets with the wrong word the wrong lyrics in them then i think they've i think they've tweaked the sample ever so slightly so it sounds a bit more like they're actually singing these sounds fall into my mind or, or maybe it was just a joke to see how many people actually noticed, which, you know, fair enough. Uh, like I say, I don't think I was alone in not noticing for years until I heard the Chicago track. No, it is one of the most difficult things to say uh, when you're trying to announce the artist and title on the radio. It's very complex. It could be simplified. I think you did an excellent Bruno, much better than my attempt going in. Do you want me to do another one? No. <laughs> no, but for the next track, no, it's appropriate. Uh, well, I was just going to say about about Kenny. Oh, sorry, um, go on, go on. It's another classic. Yeah, I agree with you totally. It's it's a well-crafted piece of dance music, and I think that Ashley is totally spoiling us when you consider, as I say, some of the other dross that we've had to listen to on disc twos in the past. This is all good stuff. Mm, uh, yeah, it is. And on to track five, Push the Feeling On by the Nightcrawlers. And this is another one that had come out twice. There's an awful lot on here. Um, where they'd come out the year before and then they'd tweak them, remix them, whatever. So the original version of this got to number 22 in October 1994. Uh, the remix and some new vocals um, meant it got to number three second time round. And if you hear the original, uh, it is kind of missing something. So th- this remix works. Uh, it was mixed by the same guy who did the original version, a guy called Mark Kinchin, who still does remixes of uh, pop hits today. Uh, if you see MK Remix, in the brackets on a recent now album that's him this is the guy who remixed nightcrawler so he's still going producing dance tracks now and um this one is pretty good i preferred the next one they did um but i still like this track as well 
I was never a fan of the uh, the vocal messing around. I think you might call it. It might have been vocodering. It might not have been. But I was no, never. No, I a... think I think it's just called cut up vocal. I think it was the kind of term they used. Yeah. Anyway, that that peeing around they did with it was that was very much their thing that marks out, and I never liked that. So it's always going to be a bit of a stretch for me to enjoy this. But objectively, it's one of those ones that I can see why other people like. It's just that gimmick spoilt it for me, and I was like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And they and without it, it would be great. Yeah. Something I was a big fan of. Um, Tintin Out and Espiritu. Uh, track six is Tintin Out featuring Espiritu. Always something there to remind me. Tintin Out did several classy things. And uh, Espiritu, probably a little bit of a, an unknown quantity to most. But not me, because mm. I, I own their non-hit Francisca. And I played it to death in a vain hope of making it a hit a couple of years previously. So uniting the the talents of both Tintin Out and Espiritu was always going to be a winner for me. I do like this lot. Uh, yeah, well, um, you and me both in terms of playing Francisca to death, because I, uh, I was on that bandwagon as well. didn't work, though, did it? I can't think why two uh, presenters on a student radio station couldn't hype a, a song into the chart. It's a mystery, isn't it? Um, yeah, if, if you've never heard Francisca by Espiritu, uh, do seek it out. It was released in 92, I think, from memory. Completely missed the charts. Um, this song on here, though, I, I, I always wanted to like it. I like Spirity. I like Tintin Out. Um, always something there to remind me it's a sort of cover of the Sandy Shaw song, isn't it? It, it is and it isn't. They use some of it. Um, I don't know. I never kind of liked the production on this, really. Um, it, it, it never really did it for me um in ashley's favor it's another pre-release track he got another one right here and let's face it there's many times in recent albums he hasn't it got to number 14 so not a not an enormous hit but uh, pretty sizable track seven is corona's baby 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 <laughs> baby baby it's a little bit 93 throwback ish but it, it's pleasing and it's a tuneful dance track with a quality chorus yeah and another ashley pre-release though given that uh, Rhythm of the Night had got to number two. I suppose it was a bit of a slam dunk that this was going to be another big hit, and it was. Uh, I've heard the original. So um, this originally came out under the producer, who's called Lee Marrow, uh, under his name. Um, why you'd want to release anything under the name Lee Marrow, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's Italian, so it's probably not as amusing in, in, in Italian as it is here to be called Marrow, but there you go. Uh, so originally it was called Babe Babe, rather oddly. And um, it had a different vocalist. Uh, it's not as good. So this version is definitely much better. Uh, you can see why the original remained an Italian dance anthem only. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my head around somebody called Lee Marrow, who's Italian, because Lee Marrow sounds like, again, one of those things that my, um, my kids do incessantly which is to take a very bog standard name as a first name and couple it with either a fruit or a vegetable for comedy effect yeah it's a bit of a mystery because i think i've just checked this his real name was francesco bontempi um so maybe he didn't want his uh, his keyboard uh lines in his songs to be associated with cheap and nasty bontempi stuff i don't know why change your name to that though you'd think he would have spoken to his english friends he must have some, and they would have gone, well, I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe maybe call yourself Zucchini. That would be better. Lee Zucchini. Imagine that. That would be better, wouldn't it? 
that would have, and it would have worked. And it, maybe he stuck it into whatever was going on in terms of Google Translate. Yes. Then there wasn't Google Translate, and it came back with, "Yes, I want to be. I want to be known as Zucchini." And they came up with, "Well, that's marrow, mate." Uh, yes. It, if the listener has any other suggestions, uh, they can talk to my son. As I say, my eldest son is brilliant at these. He just, you know, he, he'll go, Dave Potato. And uh, what's another one of his favorite ones? Uh, Kevin, Kevin Ronabine. He sometimes, he just, he just, he comes up with these. Not, they're, they're way better than that. He can do it. I can't. He just, bang, 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 bang. Billy it's Brassica. a gift. It's a, gil- it's a gift that he has that will serve him no purpose in life when he's older. He, he, can, he can't get a job doing that. But yes. Anyway, Lee Marrow, any more suggestions at the Oblong desk? First name, normal, bog standard, English white van man name, surname, fruit or vegetable. Give us your best shots. Meanwhile, track eight is uh, clock, Axel F., there's one thing, isn't there, and we've discussed this before, that you hope and pray for when somebody samples a legendary famous song or riff, and that is that they use it in a quality way. Uh, and while you can't accuse this one of being massively creative, they've turned Axel F into a dance track, and it works. And it's far better than that amphibian monstrosity that uh, in this world doesn't exist yet, but will do. Yeah, if you ever get to that now album, because he is on it, I think. Um, yes, it is better than that. Um, do I prefer it to the original? Not really. I mean, Clock did an awful lot of covers in their time, um, as I as I know very well from introducing them on stage when they did one of their particularly terrible ones. Um, and this is by no means the worst of them. It's okay. Um, it's not one I'd listen to again and again, but in the context of this disc, yeah, perfectly fine. I remember you introducing Clock somewhere in a field near a nuclear power station. I've got nothing to say to that. <laughs> I think it it was testament to how all of our careers were at that point, that that's where we were, both Clock and us. This was two years down the line when we were all going down the dumper. What's the moment in your career when you knew it was not at its pinnacle? Have you, like Clock, ever had to go on stage and say, Hello, Sellerfield? No, probably not. Uh, Don't forget as well to send us your ideas for Oblong Desk merchandise. We'd love to know what we can stick our logo on for you. Coming up later, Noakes and I reveal our misspent youths, seasoned pros like us who were there when the very first Laser Quests opened up. We'd been taking them down because we knew all the moves. Absolutely vile, teeth-coating, alcoholic lemonade that I drank back then because I was necking that stuff like it was going out of fashion, which I suppose in a way it was. And we discuss what should have been on Now 30 but isn't. That's after this dance anthem.
it's Oblong Desk Nooks and myself, John Tyndall, are reviewing Now 30. We've got to disc two, track nine, Entrance, Set You Free. One of those songs that the first time I heard it, I was just hooked. Um, it deservedly still gets played to this day as a bona fide classic. And uh, it's an official Oblong Desk welcome to the air horn. I feel it won't be the last time we hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, because we kind of missed the rave era, didn't we? Although, were there some on the um, KLF's America What Time Is Love? There were horns of some sort on that, but I think they might have been one of those weird Viking longhorn things, so I'm not 100% sure. This is definitely the... um... Oh, this is the real thing. The the real thing, Uh, and yes, yes, it marks marks a, a moment that we will be visiting lots. I quite like an air horn played in a rave track. Yeah, me too. Um, and I did love this at the time. I think I've got maybe a bit too familiar with it down the years. It, it did end up having, was it one or two remixes later that got in the chart again? I can't remember. I mean, as it was, this was the second release. Yet again, this originally came out in 94. The original version got to number 39, I believe. Um, this remix is better. And it got to number two. Um, do you remember, though, the first time you saw Kelly Lorena without being rude? Because she's probably roughly the same age as us, I guess. Well, no, she must be a little bit older. Um, I remember thinking that Kelly Lorena wasn't quite as young as I was expecting her to be. I'm having a really hard think about that. I can remember thinking that I loved the song and I thought she looked all right. And no, that enough. being from Blackburn. Blackburn. Blackburn uh, that was uh, an unexpected sound to be coming out of that neck of the woods and I was thoroughly approving of it so I don't remember necessarily thinking that she she looked older than I thought she might do okay no. if you if you're listening Kelly I'm, re- I'm really sorry um, let's uh, let's swiftly move on to track 10 we're on now aren't we yes uh, JX and you belong to me now uh, it's another pre-release track another ashley abram punt not a mega hit number 17 i think maybe this was too manic for the general public um i was listening to it i'd forgotten how fast this went actually um but it did grab me i didn't expect to want to listen to it all the way through but i did uh, i like this much more than i remember liking it at the time yeah it, it's a high high quality high energy rave track and it doesn't do really anything wrong but like you say it is so manic it, you kind of feel like you need to be blitzed with strobe lights for it to have the full effect mm. I, i'm not sure when i when i was sitting listening to it um cozying up to my nice warm fire it jarred there was a juxtaposition of me sitting comfortably trying to enjoy a rave track where i need to be getting off my backside and, and moving around somewhat oh fair yeah. enough yeah but I mean, yeah I, a... I, I i liked it yeah it's good i think yeah Let's play some uh, more music. In fact, let's play this one. It's track 11, Perfecto All-Stars, and reach up, brackets. Papa's got a brand new pig bag, brackets off. Disc two of now thirty. That was reach up. I'm not going to do the bit in brackets because John did. Uh, that's by Perfecto 
All Stars, which was a huge dance track at the time. As the name suggests, it was basically Paul Oakenfold, one of his uh, aliases. And uh, I remember the uh, skeleton motif was very strong, wasn't it? They had little skeletons playing the trumpets on the cover of the song. And when they did performances on the telly, they had people dressed up in skeleton suits as well. Uh, so they were really, you know, pushing the brand. And I think that helped it become memorable enough that it was a huge hit. Yeah, it's very, very clever stuff. It's uh, another iconic sample, and it's dealt with in a highly impressive manner. It's not the only time that Paul Oakenfold appears on a Now album, but it is the only time he appears as Perfecto All-Stars. And there are others, aren't there, Nooks, who only appear on Now 30? Yes, it's time for Now Where Else, the uh, one Now album wonders. And there are quite a few, and unusually, a lot of these are fairly big acts that had plenty of other hits so in order they are freak power eric clapton i'm counting i know he was part of an ensemble but he never had another now appearance whereas the other three people on that track did scarlet boo radley's shut up and dance the Bucketheads, nightcrawlers perfecto all stars rednecks nikki french sean mcguire and misha paris so 12 in all of which perfecto all stars are the only one hit wonders and even then as you said given paul oakenfold appears elsewhere in different guises that's debatable well um i'm gonna let you have both eric clapton on a technicality it's like he just popped in and that's fine uh and i'm gonna let you have oakenfold in various guises because it wasn't just like he was changing his name for effect they were all subtly different productions yeah. weren't they they were all yeah, yeah were. It, it was like, it's like you know he's channeling different bands and when you know paul mccartney appears in wings and then paul mccartney appears in the beatles and then paul mccartney appears with stevie wonder we don't go that's a different paul mccartney no no i think that's i think that's fair well i mentioned rednecks just now and they're they're next up on track 12 buried really considering it's a number one hit it's our fourth and final chart top on this album track 12 on disc two ouch I think Ashley probably realised that we were all a bit bored of this by then. I remember getting very, very excited when Cotton Eye Joe came out and I thought, yeah, this is great. It's great fun. And then it kind of outstayed its welcome, really, because it wasn't number one uh, until a few weeks after it had been in the chart. And I think by the time it topped the chart, uh, everyone had got over the initial novelty factor, I think. Yeah, it's cheesy and it's annoying, but it's not harming anyone and it's quite well made four-year-olds should have stuff they can dance to as well as the grown-ups and this for me is exactly what this is it's a children's song done reasonably well and there's plenty of people who've tried to do novelty hits worse than this so whatever go for it yeah i think i think the only thing that it has a black mark for is uh you can draw a line from this to the uh line dancing revival uh, a few years further down the line and for that um I think that's definitely not a good thing. But other than that, it's pretty harmless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Track 13 is Deuce and Call It Love, or Deuce, you could also call them Beta Test Steps, (laughs) because they are very, very much a prototype of that band. It's slightly overblown, and we've already had Barks, Takata and Fugue pinched by Two Unlimited. Um, Was it the last Now album or the one before that? Anyway, not, um... not so long ago. Yeah, a couple back, I think. Yeah, uh, so I don't necessarily want that to become a thing, but this is not dreadful by any means. I, I 
I've leveled with you here. I really love Juice. I thought they made three fantastic pop songs in 95. This is the first. We'll get another one coming up on the next Now album, and then the third one doesn't appear on Now, from my recollection. Um, This is probably the least interesting of the three, Um, but it's still a decent pop song. I mean, it's not really dance. It's kind of in the middle of all the dance songs. It's more pop than dance, as you say. Prototype Steps, really. Um, weirdly it's only recently that their stuff's gone on to uh, streaming services but you can now should you want to listen to the album juice on the loose in its entirety were they holding out for artistic reasons like the klf or, or, or not uh, possibly <laughs> i doubt it <laughs> uh, track 14 is here i go by two unlimited and after that dangerous foray into reggae uh, that they had last album. Anita and Ray are back on much more solid ground. It's a pulsating beat. It's a silly rap. It's got the double track vocal in the chorus. It's all together Two Unlimited doing what Two Unlimited do, and I'm far happier that they are doing that rather than silly reggae. Yes, it's very much Law of Diminishing Returns time, though, because uh, this was a pre-release track again, uh, but their smallest hits with the original lineup anyway. They did have some uh, other very, very small hits later on with a completely different uh, duo. Uh, this only got to number 22, and you can kind of see why, because it's not doing anything remotely different. And the fact that it's buried low down in the order on disc two shows that although Ashley wanted it on here, he probably knew it wasn't going to be top 10. Uh, Runaway is track 15 from MC Saar and, in brackets, weirdly, The Real McCoy. Well, I don't understand, because they were MC Saar and The Real McCoy before, uh, on previous they things, were. and, and, and yeah, now we've were. kind of bracketed MC Saw off like he's done something wrong. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Their um, their chart career is full of name changes. So uh, for the next one, I think they stayed broadly the same. And then when they did a cover of "Come and Get My Love," they were just the real McCoy. Uh, so he'd gone completely then. Um, however, <laughs> if you listen to this album, you won't hear MC Saw at all because they've put on the instrumental version where you get the choruses, but the rap on the verses is completely absent. I don't know why they've done this. Uh, I don't know if uh, Pete Waterman had been on the phone telling Ashley how he always used to erase Ray's raps from the two Unlimited songs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's odd. It's, it's not the first time recently we've had a not-correct single version on a Now album. It seems to happen at least once every edition now. Well, if you listen to the um, proper version uh, with MC Saar in there, you do wonder if, if you were listening to the Tour Limited track again. They are so similar. Apart from MC Saar is slightly growlier than Ray. Yes, he Other is. than that, I couldn't really find the other four differences that I needed to to claim my prize. I quite like it, though. I like the kind of um, the, the bells that toll every so often that go dong kind of uh, towards the end of the chorus. I quite yes, like it, it. it's the death knell on uh, MC Saar's career as he's removed e- bit yes. by bit from the real McCoy. Hmm. Uh, track 16, and this was my, had Boyzo not been on this album, would have been the Warnock. Uh, Nicky French, Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's like the worst karaoke track ever, <laughs> but, but they've put... They've actually put the singer's voice on. You know what? You know when you hear the karaoke, you go to some karaoke bars, oh, and, yes, that, and, yes. hear, and they have the vocal really, really thinly done in the background. Yeah, I'm yeah, convinced. I'm convinced that's Nicky French doing all of those things on every karaoke track, and this time they've just turned it up. It's 
terrible. It's a bad idea done very badly. Uh, right. I uh, I confess I really liked this at the time. I don't know why. No! Maybe it's, maybe it's the comedy value. Maybe it's because I didn't hold Bonnie Tyler's version up as a paragon of marvellous tunage, because I was never that fond of it, to be honest. Um, uh, it's not aged well, has it, really? Uh, this is yet another re-release, by the way. It got to number 54 in October, uh, top five second time around. All I remember is that there were about five different versions of this. Every time you heard a version on the radio, it seemed to be slightly different. And I remember the two CD singles had slightly different versions as track one. Um, so you never knew which one you were going to get. Perhaps that was a ploy to sell multiple copies of every single format. Um, yeah, let's just say I don't like it as much now as I did then, but I don't hate it as much as you do either. Oh, okay. Um this is surprising. Track 17, Sean Maguire, soap operas Sean Maguire with Suddenly. Uh, now, I don't know what made record executives decide that, a, that the lantern-jawed, smiley hunk Sean would be marketable as a pop star for the teenage market. Uh, oh, no, hang on, wait a minute. That's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> and, and it's safe unremarkable smiley pop which won't offend anyone either um if you were in that target market i hope you can see now that they were just selling you something that was really quite substandard and average and i for my own personal thing i'm really glad that i have panini stickers to waste my money on instead rather than sean mcguire posters yes i think that's uh, probably uh, a good idea um yeah, it's a weird one, this, isn't it? It's his only appearance, as we mentioned earlier, uh, with his third hit. Got to number 18, so, you know, fairly big hit. Eight top 40 hits he had. Just stop and think about that second. Eight top 40 hits. In case you're wondering, this isn't a cover of the Angry Anderson song, Suddenly, or indeed the Billy Ocean one. Uh, it's a completely different song. Uh, you'll forget it as soon as you've finished hearing it, but do you know what? It's all right for what it is not terrible we've actually um already looked at track 18 bobby brown's two can play that game um which we uh, said was good it's a shame we can't spend more time reviewing that because track 19 is our old friend's ultimate chaos and hoochie booty hoochie booty yes the best you can say about this is it's probably marginally more amusing and less dreadful than the one we uh, reviewed last time round. Yes. In the first 30 seconds of this, they managed to blatantly rip off about five different song genres, uh, which is a weird sort of achievement. Uh, and then they they have this imaginary trip to a club, which they're obviously too young to visit. Uh, and, you know, if they did go out for a, for a night out, it would be an afternoon and it would be at their local kind of adventure factory uh, with the ball pit. Um, do you have one near you, mate? Oh, what, a ball pit? Yes, you know, one of those play, one of those horrible. Uh, not, not close. No, there's, there's, there's one in the city centre, I believe. Ah, yeah. Well, we've got one in, in Woking. It's called the Big Apple, and the only good thing there is a laser quest. Um, but um, Ultimate Chaos would be exactly the kind of people who would think they were experts at laser quest, and then they go there with their mums and seasoned pros like us who were there when the very first laser quests opened yes. up in Nottingham. Yes. yes, we we we'd be there and be taking them down because we knew all the moves uh, and they go crying to their mums going they're spoiling our fun anyway I'd, I'd far rather have an image of that than this song which is pants yeah when i when i it is when when i see the word hooch okay it's a hoochie 
but still when i see the word hooch i just think of the copious amounts of absolutely vile teeth coating alcoholic lemonade that i drank back then because i was necking that stuff like it was going out of fashion which i suppose in a way it was because hooch is about as relevant today as ultimate chaos are next Next, we're going to play something, and uh, it's Pato Banton making his second appearance, this time with Rankin Roger. It's bubbling hot. It no matter if you're slimmer, it no matter if you're fat, and it no matter if you're cold, because you're going to get hot. We're bubbling hot, 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 we're bubbling hot. We're bubbling hot, 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 we're bubbling hot. We're bubbling hot, hot, hot. It's bubbling hot, it's Pato Banton with Rankin Roger and it is track 20 on disc 2 of Now 30 which we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk. Claim to fame time, my wife's half-brother went to school with Rankin Roger. May he uh, rest in peace. Um, as, for, as for the song itself, um, it's another pre-release. There's an awful lot of pre-releases on this. And have you noticed, no non-hits on this album, which we've had one of for the last three, I think, possibly more. Um, so this one got to number 15 when it was released. And it, it's incredibly cheesy. It's incredibly daft. But even now, when we're in the kitchen, if one of us says, oh, this looks like it's bubbling hot. The other will say, what, you mean like soup in a pot? Absolutely. One of the classic lyrics of our time. Interestingly, there's two reggae tracks on Now 30. Only two, which is, you know, noteworthy and thoroughly pleasant after the deluge of stuff. But everyone's favourite Irish raster, Pat O'Banton, is on both of them. <laughs> uh, I love bubbling hot, uh, possibly because, like you, I like soup. And when it's in a pot, I generally comment on it. I don't know what it is. It's just one of those things. It is. It's incredibly silly. Uh, it brings joy. It brings a smile to our faces. And, listener, in these times, that's no bad thing. Well, it is. And, and any song that starts with a fanfare, as if, as if something <laughs> utterly amazing is about to happen when it's clearly not, is, uh, is all right with me. Uh, and do let us know if you still say, <laughs> like soup in a pot, or bubbling hot when you're making your soup in the kitchen because I'd love to know it can't just be me and you who've got this over 25 year old song stuck in our consciousness can it can't be. it can't be no no uh, final track um, on now 30 is Misha Paris and the perfecto edit of one Bono's mm. done many terrible things in his life hasn't he but you can almost forgive him all of those things forgiving us the song one which is in my top 20 favorite songs ever it's that good and I, I you know I don't like Bono uh, so there we go it shows what a good song it is however what it doesn't need is backing with the funky drummer slowed down a bit and the wailing the loud bits from Misha I'll be holding on for Mary J Blige's version if that's all right yeah, was was that not terrible too? I don't remember much about it. Was was that one better? No, you see, I, I controversially like the Mary J. Blige mm. slash Bono version better because I'm always searching for things that don't feature as much of Bono. Fair enough. Um, well, this is yet another pre-release on this uh, disc. 
It's the smallest hit on the album. It peaks at number 29. But, you know, as I said, at least they're all top 40 hits on here. I, I'm a bit ambivalent about this. It's not as terrible as I thought it'd be. I had a recollection that it was really, really bad. Um, and for a perfecto mix, it's not as good as it should have been, certainly. But um, I don't remember liking Mary J. Blige's one very much. So um, I don't know. Um, the, the best thing I can say is have a listen, make your own mind up. It's not terrible uh, by any means, but it does. it's a bit of a damp squib to end the album on. I think that we can agree on. Particularly given the quality that there has been on this disc, which, as I say, for me, is the finest disc to that there has been some real standout tracks on there. There could have been, though, some contenders for tracks that we, that could have replaced, for example, I don't know, off the top of my head, Boyzone or Nicky French <laughs> or Ultimate Chaos again. Yes, indeed. What, what would they be? Well, John, look what you could have won. And in fact, a previous winner of Look What You Could Have Won, the very first, I think, was won by you too, wasn't it? Mm. So there's a nice link with the previous track. These are ones that didn't get on, so I've got eight for you this time, which shows okay. that maybe Ashley had a bit more to choose from than he was letting on. Now, I think at least a couple of these turn up on the first Now Dance album of 95, but then so do lots of other tracks on Now 30, so I thought, why not include them here? The others are fair game for a duplication. Why aren't these? Let's start with one that I think will be popular. Uh, from the back end of 94, and some of these tracks are from the back end of 94, so again, fair game. Highly. Put Yourself in My Place, number 11, that copy. Yeah, Kylie Minogue, the album by Kylie Minogue, and I bought it, and I love lots of the things on here. I'm not sure that Put Yourself in My Place is necessarily a very strong single. It's a good album track, but I don't don't know. I think as a a follow-up to Confide in Me, fine, let's get it on here. Let's showcase more of that album. Yeah, and I... um, I I would put it in my kind of top draw Kylie song, strangely. I don't know why. I've always um, liked that one. I've always preferred it to confide in me as well. Um, next, Candidate for Inclusion. This is more uh, surprising it wasn't there than a, goodness me, why is this missed off? Wigfield, Another Day, her second hit, got to number seven. Yeah, there's only one need for uh, one Wigfield song in our lives, isn't there, really? Uh, we've yes. already listened to that one. <laughs> I think that's... I think that's a fair summary. Uh, the next one, um, Real to Real's second hit at the back end of 94. We won't talk about Raise Your Hands because that's coming up on Now Dance, I think. Um, but of course, their other hit was As Zig and Zag with Them Girls, Them Girls, a, a Christmas number one effort that fell a bit short, got to number five. It is basically Real to Real. It's comedy. They did occasionally put those kind of things on Now albums, but on the other hand, you can see why it's not here. Yeah, and strangely, I don't want any comedy on this album. I feel it would jar. You know, we've got Rankin, Roger and Bobbling Hot, and I think that's as comedy as I want to go. Or maybe the Rednecks, Cotton Eye Joe. There's nothing outright stupid on here, and I don't think we need anything on on here that's stupid. I'm not in that mood. Yeah, and and because uh, Zig and Zag did allegedly have a country and ragger, mix on some of their songs then i think that rednecks probably cover that base yes uh, next yeah. one i'm not sure it would have qualified i'm i'm not 100 percent sure this would have been available but i've put it in in case i don't think they ever got on now album green day and basket case which got to number seven and was a big urn spring favorite as i recall i'm not that keen but it was and there's absolutely with the exception of oasis and eric clapton there's no guitars on here at all 
So where you would put this, I'm not quite sure. There's nothing else at all on here like that. No, no. it feels like it feels like it needs another compilation series released with with guitars in it. Yes, we of, of which there were many. So we, we may even review some one day. Uh, next one then, uh, Let Loose, previous uh, now album visitors, One Night Stand. I always thought it was a rather fine pop song. Only got to number twelve, but you know, plenty of number twelve hits on here. Why not have another one? Yeah, I think it's an all right song. I'm not necessarily thinking let's replace it or put it in anywhere. I mean, you know, it's it would kind of maybe go in next to Juice instead of a yet another yeah. two unlimited song, possibly. So yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, next one. Um, now she had been on Now albums before. Whether she'd changed record labels by this point, possibly. But again, I've stuck it in anyway. Annie Lennox, big hit. Uh, no More I Love You's got to number two. And it's one of those love-hate songs. Um, I never really cared for it, to be honest, but it was a massive hit. I don't like it much either. I think it's... I mean, you can't dispute that Annie Lennox has got a good voice and, and it's a well-crafted song. But as you say, it's one that you either like or you don't and it didn't do it for me but one could argue it should be included on here mm. okay next one um maybe a bit too close to release date but it arguably could have snuck in there if ashley had wanted to take a punt uh, elastica and waking up got to number 13 uh, again not sure on the record label maybe they couldn't get it but uh, it was I think it was their biggest hit, wasn't it? It's certainly the one I remember best from the time. Yes, uh, or, or maybe the Stranglers phoned up and said, no, you can't use our song, <laughs> No More Heroes, which it is. Um, <laughs> I I like it. I love it a lot. Uh, and I liked the Elastica album a lot. Possibly not as much now. Possibly it hasn't aged as well. But there was something about, what was her name? Justine, wasn't it? Justine Frischman from Elastica. <laughs> Elastica. Uh, yeah. Um, however borrowed it is uh, it's still a good song i uh, i always thought they were one of many many bands from this era that were a bit emperor's new clothes for me they were just like okay and just because the enemy and the melody maker said they were brilliant everyone and bought went out and bought the records but you know i don't think they've got a massive legacy to be honest but that one was probably the best thing they did um probably because uh, someone else had already written it for them um allegedly let's just say just in case Justine's listening. Um, right, last one for consideration: Elton John and Believe. Again, very close to release, but you know, it's it's Elton John. Um, he'd been on many now albums. It got to number fifteen. Not a massive hit. It's all right. Um, I remember playing it on the radio a fair bit. I wouldn't say it's brilliant, but again, it's another surprise. It's not here more than I would like to see it here. I think in terms of surprise it's not here, I'm more surprised that Annie Lennox is not here. And certainly in terms of test of time, the Lennox track is more memorable. So on that basis, given that we've now covered off all of those eight, and there's a wide variety to choose from here. Yeah, I tried to I tried to pick, uh, you know, a smorgasbord. Yes, yeah, surprise it's not here, Annie Lennox, I would say, is the one that, yeah, that of all those. My favourite track, the one I would put on here... Also, because it's short and you could probably squeeze it on there anyway, is Elastica. I think um, derivative though it was, as you say, there was a whole glut of the kind of female vocal guitar indie stuff going on at that time. And to not have it represented 
on here is something of an oversight. Okay, I'm torn between two, so I would like to see either Kylie or Let Loose. I think on the basis that it's more recent and the fact that the quality pop side is a bit let down on here. Juice is excellent, but uh, Phil Maguire's average and Ultimate Chaos are terrible. I would rather see Let Loose and One Night Stand on here to replace one of those two artists I just mentioned, I think. So that would be my choice. Interesting. We, we've gone in different directions there mm. very much. Um, what about your favourite track? That's what we've got left to do on this. The favourite track of all of the 40 on Now 30. I've got a toss of a coin. It's down to two. OK, I, I, I think I'm decided. In the process of talking through these, there's one song that's kind of made me remind myself how I felt when I first heard it, how... Uh, amazing i thought it was and in fact how out of all the tracks on here i could gladly go off and press play and listen to it again and that's uh, glory box by portis head so that's the one for me and that was one of my two so in the interests of variety i am going to go to disc two and uh, at the song as i say at the time when i first heard it i was like oh wow and had to go and a buy the cd single which i very rarely did B, then play it to death over and over and over again. And C, still love it to this day, and that is Set You Free, Entrance. That is my track of the album, but notable, the two Bristol bands, and notable in particular, Portis said, you came damn close, and if Noakes hadn't picked you, who knows? (laughs) There you go. Well, yes, we like like to pick something different where we can, unless we're, you know, absolutely agreed on one. And and we very rarely are, so we've got fairly diverse taste, which is is, uh, a good thing. Uh, when it comes to the Now album. So that's Now 30 done and dusted. Um, Our next uh, missive will be to go off and listen to some Now dance tracks. But before that, uh, you can tell the listener how to get in touch again. I can indeed. So if you uh, agree with us on either of our choices, or maybe you've got one of your own that you really like, we'd love to hear what you think are the best tracks on here. Who knows? There may be some Sean Maguire fans out there. If there are oblongdesk.podbean.com is our website. You can get in touch with us there and leave us a message on there where you can also listen to every single Oblong Desk that there's been um, and find out a little bit more about us and the show itself and how it all started. That's oblongdesk.podbean.com. If you prefer, you can message us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter. The uh, address to send your comments into for both of those is at the Oblong Desk. Marvellous, and we will talk to you again very soon. Bye for now. See ya. Oblong Desk was written, presented and produced by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. Like, follow, share and subscribe to the Oblong Desk at our website, oblongdesk.podbean.com. Oblong Desk.